0: about workplace culture change mm-hmm. gustavo rossetti welcome to the human capital innovations podcast
1: hi john i'm happy to be here very excited about our conversation
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from Chicago. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about workplace culture change. I love this topic. It's one I think I could talk about all day, all week, you know, all day, every day, really, because it's so fascinating and it's so complex on the one hand, but it's also, you know, fairly straightforward on the other. Um, And so we're really going to dig in and unpack, you know, what that can look like and what we can do to enhance The chances of success, successful implementation, and sustainable workplace culture change. As we get started, I wanted to share Gustavo's bio with everybody. Gustavo Rossetti is a workplace culture consultant, author, and speaker who facilitates courageous conversations to drive cultural transformation. He helps executives, team leaders, and founders map and assess their culture and design a better one. He facilitates culture design projects, culture survey assessments, and workshops, both remotely and in person. Over 200,000 leaders, people, teams, and consultants in 50-plus countries use his culture design toolkit. Uh, and I could go on and on, Gustavo, but I'm going to pause there. Anything else you would like to share in particular with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context? And then we'll dive on into the conversation.
1: No, for me, the most important thing is like uh, how I landed into culture design, which is still a new kind of a uh, discipline. And my background, it's in marketing innovation. I've been working with companies trying to create a culture of innovation at some point they were looking for ideas, but we realize it's actually, if they don't design the right behaviors, the right mindset, then innovation or new ideas are never going to see the light of day. So that's what drives me.
0: We all have our own unique backgrounds as we come to this space. Uh, and it's one of the things I really love about uh, org change and, and org development and culture change efforts. It's very interdisciplinary and, and people come from all different types of backgrounds Uh, To bring their own perspectives, which I think is is just really great. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about how you conceptualize this idea of workplace culture change? And then we can dig into some of the challenges that leaders often face despite best intentions when they're trying to drive meaningful, sustainable change.
1: In my recent book, I provide different descriptions of how to first describe what culture is all about. Some people talk about the the way we do things here. But lately on, I've been using this analogy, which is the little things that we pay little attention to until they become the big things. So on a good day, the culture of your company, the culture of your team, it's unnoticed. It's almost invisible because when things go well, you don't realize what's that glue that brings people together. What are the behaviors? What are the mindset that are in play? However, when things go wrong, the culture immediately gets very visible, becomes kind of an issue. So... Uh, there are two things when it comes to uh, tackling culture. First is preventing your culture going wrong. So how can you uh, have a preemptive approach to culture? Many clients reach out when it's too late. They try to fix culture and that's not only too late, but it's not the right approach. We like to talk about culture evolution rather than culture change because change, first the word for people feels like, oh, we're going to get rid of everything. My identity no longer serves me. The the thing that brought us to work here doesn't matter anymore. So people feel like they're they, unappreciated. But also every company has, even the worst company, have some good and some positive elements in it. So our approach is to identify what's working, what are the things that we can or should preserve and build on, and then what are the things that we need to get rid of. And also things that probably you are never going to change and need to accept. It's like, a, I'm looking at your background. No? If you get a house or a loft and you want to recycle, well, there's usually something that you're going to maintain and then you're going to start changing maybe the floors, the the design, the colors, the lighting. But there's something that, It's what brought you there. I need to make sure that you maintain it.
0: So, you know, I've worked with a lot of organizations in a consulting capacity. I've worked as an employee in a lot of different organizations. I'm also a researcher. uh, So I've I've researched these topics uh, in a lot of different contexts, a lot of different organizations. The reality is that any sort of change initiative uh, has a real uphill battle. Uh, to be successful, to be successfully implemented and to, then to actually take hold and actually make, you know, drive the difference uh, that was intended. Uh, it's hard for any initiative, even the simple ones. Um, and when you get to something like culture change, that is a huge, you know, mon- monumental shift oftentimes that you're trying to accomplish within an organization. And and I've just seen so many well-intentioned leaders uh, you know who are who are trying to do it the right way really just fail and and they spend you know so much time so much energy so much money uh, to try to drive the change that they're going for and then it just doesn't take and people are resistant and it you know people even if it does initially take you know it slowly degrades and people end up kind of shifting back to the old status quo um, you know that happens over and over and over again so what would you say to any leader who's you know, who's listening today, uh, on what they can do, uh, to, to lay the groundwork for successful implementation and meaningful, sustainable culture change, especially for those who have tried in the past and it just hasn't worked. Uh, it, you know, so it probably means you're going to be a little bit more skeptical, a little bit more, um, you know, concerned about how it might go if you try again.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are a couple of things. First, we shouldn't use the excuse that culture change is difficult, and then, ah, so I'm going to fail. There's this stat that many people attribute to McKinsey that 70% of culture change or culture transformation fail. But then, a lot of academics, kind of to your point, your researcher, say that there's no factual evidence that that's the case. So it's more of a myth and actually good for, if you're a consultant, as an excuse if things fail well. Now most people fail. I think that one of the things that we observe is, first of all, the leaders that try to change everything at once. You know? They try to transform many aspects at, uh, 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 at the same point and people don't have the capacity in, either in time and effort, but also mentally to absorb so many changes at once. Sometimes it's better to adopt a, Trial and error approach, identify what are the quick wins, what are the things that we can start improving to build momentum so people start seeing change as something positive, but also what are the two, one or two structural things that we want to tackle. The order of change also is important. We see leaders that focus too much on, hey, we're going to change our company purpose, we're going to change our company values but then the company is suffering from low psychological safety. So if people are afraid of speaking up, if people are afraid of bringing their full self to work or ask questions in the open, well, you need to tackle that before you start talking about lofty mission statements, for example. And lastly, there's something very critical, which is a culture, it's a co-creation. Yeah, leaders shape and define the larger vision, but in the end, the culture is the result of everyone's behavior. The same way that if you are the major of a city, you cannot define how people are going to dress, drive, and stuff. You just set certain rules, but then people need to have that autonomy to behave. We encourage leaders to co-create culture with their teams, so to to involve in the process. First, you don't need to get buy-in. No, you don't need to sell and impose a culture because they were part of the conversation. So either understanding where you are, a, a involving them into defining where it has to be. Of course, in the end, leaders have the last word. But when you involve people in a co-creation process, it's not an uphill battle. It's something that people feel excited to be part of.
0: Yeah, and that's really what you want, is you want people really feeling empowered, feeling energized around the changes that are happening because they see that these things will make a difference. Uh, So when we talk about culture change in particular, you know, hopefully that means you're going to have a more more psychologically safe organization. You're going to have a speak up culture. You're going to have uh, a, a organization that's more committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, you're going to have a place where people can thrive, where they can derive meaning and purpose. Like those are the types of things that people get excited about, that they get energized about, and that they're willing to put effort behind. Um, but you can't just say the words as a leader. You can't just say, I want these things. They can't just be espoused values. You actually have to put in the work to make sure that those things. are are, that you're moving the needle and those things are able to happen um, because people are very skeptical. People have seen it over and over again, uh, how leaders will oftentimes say the right things, but they don't walk the walk. Uh, And where the rubber meets the road, you know, take psychological safety, for example, Uh, you know, most leaders are going to say, yeah, that's important. I want people to feel like they can challenge me and push back and provide feedback. And you know that's how we get our best ideas. Most leaders will say something like that, but most (laughs) leaders don't actually engage with people in a way that can foster psychological safety. And so you have to be able to do both. And as you start to do that, people do get excited because that's the place where people want to work in those types of environments. That's the kind of place where people want to work. And so that gets people excited. The other thing that you said that I think is really, really important is if we can shift our mindset around culture change or any sort of change, I suppose, within organizations, you know, from kind of a one-off intervention activity, you know, something that's happening in this moment. And, you know, a year from now we'll be done with change. That's not the world we live in. Like change is constant. Uh, And so if we can get into, uh, if we can create a culture and a dynamic of continual learning, continual growth and development where people can lean into and embrace agility and continual change, and that happens through the iterative process like people just recognize well, we don't have to ha- get it perfect this time we're going to iterate we're going to try we're going to learn we're going to do new things that does a couple things one it lowers the stakes right so it doesn't you know when when we look at like this huge multi-million dollar change initiative Uh, that we're putting all our effort into, it's kind of an all or nothing. Like we either, it either works or it doesn't work.
1: You're putting all the money on one number.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But when we, so and that, that increases the stakes that makes, you know, uh, that makes leaders nervous. That makes employees nervous. When you can lower the stakes, people feel like they can experiment, they can try things, they can share what they're doing, what they're learning, even if that means they quote unquote failed and it didn't work. Um, That's the environment that will lead to you know, perpetual learning and agility and the ability to uh, adopt a learning and and change culture. And in the modern world of work, I think that's what we need. We need that much more than we need the ability to do, you know, kind of a a structured change initiative um, as may have been, you know, the the typical kind of approach in previous decades.
1: Absolutely. And I think that there's two things there. First, you talk about, The connecting, what's in it for me? I think that leaders, even if to your point, sometimes with a good good intention, they fail to explain why are we changing, what's driving this change, but most importantly, how it's going to help people. Because in the end, culture is not about making people feel good. Culture is a driver of great work. So when you have a good culture, people are going to be excited. To your point, they're going to be happy to be there, and they're going to do their best work. And that's what the most important body of culture is. The second element you tap into, it's words versus behavior. So the role of the leader is not only really to define this is the culture we want, but they need to demonstrate it with their own behavior. So people are going to, they're skeptical. They're going to uh, push back. They're going to see if the leader really means what they're saying or not. And so your behavior is critical. And only then when you start modeling the right behaviors, you can start demanding what you expect from people. Many leaders put the "Hey, I want my people to do this," but they don't commit to changing themselves first.
0: Yeah, and you do need to start with yourself so you can model uh, the types of behaviors, the the types of attitudes that you want to see in the rest of your people. And that doesn't mean that you need to be perfect. I, I think this is another sticking point for a lot of people. <laughs> uh, they think, well, you know, I I want to model uh, healthy workplace culture for my team, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just doing the best I can. And I spend most of my time running around with like a chicken with my head cut off, putting out fires. And I know it's not always the healthiest and I don't always, you know, interact with people in the best ways. Like I I think most leaders recognize and are self-aware enough to know that, you know, they're not perfect or anywhere close to it. And, and so it becomes a little bit overwhelming to think I can't actually drive any meaningful culture change until I figure it all out myself. And, and i guess my response to that would be the same as we talked about with with overall organizational culture change is that it can be iterative like you don't have to do it all at once um and nobody expects you to be perfect but but your people will recognize your effort and they will appreciate the effort especially if you're open and transparent and communicate and share the wins along with the setbacks like so many leaders are so nervous about allowing people to see their vulnerabilities. They're so nervous about people recognizing, oh, they didn't quite do this right, or this didn't go the way we'd hoped, they, because they are so they want to exude confidence and, and expertise, and they feel like that's the source of their power. Um, I, I don't think in the modern world of work, that is the source of a leader's power. The source of a leader's influence and power comes from their ability to empower their team. And that only happens as we, as we develop you know, relationships of mutual accountability and trust with our people. And that will only happen as we're appropriately vulnerable and open with our people. Uh, And even, you know, apologizing when it's necessary if you if you do something and it doesn't hit it doesn't work out the way you'd hoped that's okay nobody expects for you to be perfect nobody expects for you to get it right all the time but acknowledge it and say oh that didn't quite work the way we'd hoped it's part of the iterative process and then you learn together you grow together and when you have setbacks and you can openly acknowledge it without trying to pretend like nothing went wrong or trying to you know pass blame or or uh, throw someone else under the bus. So you (laughs) seem to maintain your, your credibility. You know, if if we can get past that as a leader, that is a really important modeling in and of itself, because now your team realizes, oh, I trust my leader more because they're being real. They're being honest and vulnerable. They're not perfect. Nobody expects them to be perfect. I'm not perfect. So I'm going to try things. It may work, it may not. As long as I'm accountable and as long as I'm open about it then and try to learn from it, then I'm good. And when you create that kind of an environment where people feel safe to try things, then you you go through that iterative learning and you can accomplish so much more in even a relatively short time than you ever would, you know, if you're waiting to reach perfection before you start um, the growth journey. Uh, it, it, it's all it should be happening all together at the same time. Uh, and you you just acknowledge when things aren't working out the way you hoped.
1: Those leaders, to your point, have this perfectionist mindset that they want to move from one state to another before without having to go through that journey. But definitely.
0: Yeah, so... Let's, let's spend the rest of our time talking about some practical, tangible things that uh, anyone who's in the audience today can start doing today, this week, uh, to, uh, to lay the groundwork and the foundation for, uh, you know, some sort of upcoming culture shift that they're striving for within their organizations. When you're working with your clients, what are some of those foundational pieces that you um, start them on, be, you know, as, as they're getting going?
1: Absolutely. I'm going to throw it like in, in in any particular order. I was thinking when you talk about vulnerability, there's an exercise and I just finished with one executive team earlier this morning, which is they call me out. To your point, when leaders are trying to change, they're not only changing the culture, but they need to change their own behavior. And usually they fail to do that or they go back to how they used to know. For example, a leader that is very harsh in the way he communicates and the way he the tone he uses etc so he's inviting a team to every time I'm being harsh call me out so that's a way of hey I'm committing to changing my behavior I'm not going to default back to how I used to play call me out and that's a good way to to start on playing that vulnerable space another activity that we do it's what are the priorities that you have and I'm not talking business priorities but what's the criteria that you use when push comes to shove you now we have companies that say we are customer First, where people first, where innovation first, where everything profit first, stakeholder first. But then when you need to make decisions, what are really the criteria? So we use these even over statements in which you need to define when push comes to shove, when there's a conflict, what's going to come first, your people or your profit, growth, a perfection or a speed? No, I think that's another exercise that creates a lot of uh, first uh, interesting conversations, but also drives clarity because it helps people have a criteria on how they want to make decisions. So every time someone at the top, medium, or low level need to make a decision, they're going to use those priorities as the guiding kind of a a, a light. The other thing that we do, and you mentioned the culture design canvas, which is a tool that we use, it helps map the culture. So one thing that we do is try to understand what's the real culture today, not the culture that we want, not the culture that the leaders see, right? The real one, how people experience but also understand the gaps across different levels, across different regions. So before jumping into the design, before jumping into the new face mode, understand where you are, what's working, what's not working, and how to integrate those gaps.
0: Well, Gustavo, this has been a really great conversation. I, I think there's much more we Could say, um, but I also note that I'll need to let you go here in a few minutes. Uh, As we start to wrap things up, uh, I just wanted to give you a chance to share anything else specifically about your organization, your team uh, that you feel would be helpful for the audience as they're embarking on their uh, workplace culture change and and the shifts that they're desiring to see. Uh, And then we'll uh, start to wrap up.
1: Absolutely. What I can tell people is we provide like different options. So the, the easiest option, go to our website, which is fearlessculture.design. And we have lots of articles and free tools that you can download and start working right away, like from changing smaller uh, behaviors to more structural kind of culture design. Uh, the second thing is I a, a, a recently published a book, Remote Not Distant, that even though it focuses on the hybrid workplace, which is the new reality that many companies are tackling there are a lot of tools and processes and insights and examples not only from large companies but also from unknown companies as well that can really inspire you on your journey and lastly if you're looking for advice whatever we also do consulting work so reach out and see what's what are your issues and how we can help you
0: wonderful thank you so much gustavo this has just been a real pleasure and i really encourage my audience to reach out get connected check out the resources check out what gustavo and his team can do for you culture change is really important it's the foundation uh, i mean a, a good positive healthy workplace culture is the foundation of any successful organization um and and as you mentioned you know most Organizations, most leaders will espouse, they'll say things like we want to be a people centric people first organization, but then they have policies, practices and procedures that really undermine that intention. Uh, So it's about aligning all the structural components and the systems of the organization with those espoused values, uh, and then just doing the simple things consistently over time. Uh, to create the type of culture that you actually want. I said at the very beginning that culture change is really hard, but it's also not super complicated. Like there are some fairly straightforward things that if you just do them consistently over time, it'll make a huge, huge difference. And that's, that's part of why it's so hard is because people really aren't very good at consistency. Uh, And we, we often, especially when the, when we hit times of, Uh, a struggle when things are hard, when we're, you know, forced to meet, you know, really difficult deadlines, etc. That's where the rubber meets the road where we really start to see how healthy our culture is. Um, Those are the moments where we we see truly who people are and how they interact with each other. And that makes it hard to be consistent. And so we just need to really work on it. We're not going to be perfect, but we can try to be a little bit better every day. You know, if we have a goal to just do things 1% better every day. You know, imagine how vastly improved the context of your organizational workplace and and your team could be within a few months, within a year. Uh, It could be, I mean, incredible. You could you could have such an, an incredible transformation just by doing simple things consistently over time. So I encourage everyone to think about that. Think about what you can do within your teams. Uh, reach out to Gustavo and his team. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. <laughs> do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast. Enjoy ad free listening